Let's talk digital. We are at the cutting edge of digital tweaks, changes, transformation. A local digital marketing podcast. Conversing with industry experts and getting excerpts about the exceptional. Hosted by Audrey Naidu. Sit back, relax, enjoy. <laughs> well, I'm certainly excited by what's coming up in South Africa in the next couple of months and years. How's it, everyone? Hope you are well and keeping safe. Welcome back to another episode of Let's Talk Digital. My guest today is Emma Odendal, Digital Content Director at John Brown Media. She's based in Cape Town and part of the Dentsu Group. She's a digital marketer, content creator, a strategist and a team leader with 15 years experience communicating with customers using branded content. Hello, Emma, and welcome to the podcast. Hi, Audrey. It's really exciting to be here. So thank you for having me. Yeah, no, it's awesome to have you. And how's the weather down in Cape Town? We have a cold front landing today, I think. So it's really getting a bit chilly, uh, but we've enjoyed the last few days of sun. Um, that I'm sitting here with my heater on, a blanket around my legs, trying to keep warm and cozy. Yeah, and it's going to come our way one of those days, hey? Yes. So, Emma, um, tell us a little bit about yourself. I understand that you um, have been working at John Brown for some time now. Uh, What is it your company does? Yes, so I've been with John Brown Media for, for the past five years. Um, We're a global digital-first content marketing agency, essentially. I, in fact, started back in magazine publishing, funnily enough. Um, That was 15 years ago, working on titles like Wine Magazine, for those that remember it, and Getaway. And it was there that I learned really to understand audiences, what they want, how to speak to them. And when I started in magazine publishing, it was when Facebook launched. And in fact, in my first year of being employed, Facebook launched. And digital audiences were growing fast. So I was part of that generation that migrated all of those print magazines into a digital ecosystem. And so I essentially grew up alongside the transformation of content from a print-first strategy to something that was channel agnostic, so including analog, websites, social, you name it. Um, So all of those learnings, I really now apply to branded content at John Brown. Okay, and um, tell us more about um, you personally. I understand you're a mom of two girls. How are you managing working from home? I am, yes. Um, I'm a mom of two girls, one who's three and the other's nine. Um, Well, nine going on 16, as any uh, preteen parents will know. Um, And... um, I I run for my sanity. Um, I end my day with a glass of wine, and that is really how I manage to, I think, do the juggle between parenting and um, um, work. Um, but I do love what I do, and I think that's um, you know important. I think that the fallacy, there's a fallacy that we need to achieve a work-life balance. Whereas if you enjoy what you do, it's um, that balance isn't really necessary. Yeah, no, definitely. I feel you as a mom myself. Emma, today we are talking about brands becoming publishers in the content marketing space. I think there's a lot going on here. I mean, uh, brands have always dabbled in the content space. What has changed in the past year? 
Sure. In the past year, or in past year, obviously a lot has changed from the customer perspective um, with the COVID lens on. Uh, but maybe, you know, just speaking perhaps first about how content specifically has changed. Um, you know, a few years ago, there were very few content marketing agencies in South Africa. Um, in the past year to two years, the, that really has changed. Now what I'm seeing is that just about every agency has some guy who produces a bit of copy or churns out social media and calls it content. Um, and what I'm seeing is that this has unfortunately diluted the relevance and emotional connection that I know that content is able to achieve. Um, for me, content is not just words on a Facebook post. It goes beyond that utility. I want content that's produced meaningfully, can forge affinities, even change behaviors, because that's what really makes it powerful. Um, so today where we're at with this COVID lens on, you know, the sheer volume of advertising and content, consumers are drowning in it. And it needs a point of difference. It needs to be relevant, meaningful, and driving an emotional connection. So that guy that churns out copy in the corner in some back office, I don't feel is the right person to be able to, to be doing that, um, which is, I think, where niche agencies like John Brown Media have a unique advantage. So, Emma, I noticed, um, you know, if I've observed iconic brands like Red Bull, Amazon, Netflix, they are owning the the publisher um, space in terms of producing and effectively using content. What are some of the things that they are doing right? All right. So, firstly, what I'm seeing is that they are putting their audience first. They're asking, what does their audience want to hear, read, see? What are their pain points, their triggers, their value systems, and where do they intersect with their brand? So this is really the sweet spot that they're using to define their strategies as they shift from an advertiser that is interruptive to a publisher that attracts the audience for the value of their content. So they're not putting the, their brand first and they're helping the audience see themselves in their stories. Also, Bearing in mind that once they've got the strategy in place, of course, the next step is to bring in resources and expertise that can produce this beautiful content, craft these amazing stories. So they're bringing in the best talent that understands not only how to execute, but really sees the connection between humanity and the science behind content creation. Yeah, I think uh, the question I needed to ask you is, do these guys, I mean, I've noticed that they have their own studios, similar to Coke Studio um, yes. and, and their in-house team. So is that a, a correct, a right way to approach this? Yeah, so a lot of brands in South Africa as well are bringing in in-house teams to produce content and they're forming their own agencies. And of course, there are merits to doing that. Um, you know, your employees are then available to you. You're not sharing them with any other clients um, and they understand your business objectives clearly, one would hope. But the, within an agency, you do bring an outsider's perspective that is completely valuable that you cannot get from internal employees. 
agencies are more likely to question, to delve into the why something is being done and whether there's potentially an alternative solution. What about um, aligning to the brand's uh, voice, the brand's purpose mm. and, uh, you know, the brand narrative? Yeah, so this is a challenge in you know, traditional agencies where you have an agency copywriter, let's say, who works on an automotive brand in the morning and by afternoon he's writing about washing powder or life insurance. Um, and this copywriter might have a way with words, but he's not immersed in the brand nor in the audience. But the way that John Brown specifically is structured is that we have editorial experts that typically have backgrounds and specialisms in specific subject matter. So for example, fashion. And our journalist will live and breathe Colette's and Gingham Prince and really have her pulse on the fashion. So can take this knowledge and expertise to a fashion brand's content. So the depth of insight that she brings to the content can't be compared to that traditional agency copywriter who just skims the surface and doesn't provide the depth and authenticity that is really needed to create content that is going to resonate. Yeah, I just want to pause because I think you make um, some good points there. Let's look at what is content uh, marketing in its truest form. Content marketing in its truest form is something that goes beyond utility. It goes beyond words on a page. It's something that has depth of meaning. It's something that can change behaviors, forge passions, um, develop interests, drive affinities. And content that is created in this way is not just content for content's sake. It's content that is developed with a very clear strategy in mind and is developed with a true understanding of who the audience is. Okay, yeah, I think the biggest mistake brands are making um, is when they shift to publishing is to think in terms of campaigns. Do you um, notice the same? Yes, you know, we're seeing that brands tend to either adopt a campaign approach, you know, where they focus on a, a specific marketing campaign over a period, and then there's what we call the leaky bucket between campaigns. You know, you get the um, engagement dips, brands aren't speaking to their customers anymore. Um, when you devise a content strategy, you realize that that's not how your customers actually experience your brand. Um, they don't experience it by campaigns, nor do they experience it by channel. Um, I think that that's an equally um, important concern is that brands still adopt a channel approach. And the reason you know, channel or campaign strategies, for that matter, are, are no longer effective is that if you only target people who, let's say, read blogs and articles, you may not be communicating to the people who prefer video or audio or a mix of all of these. So. These sorts of campaign or channel strategies have been replaced with, with what I like to call content journey strategies that really start with an idea or a message and then disseminate or filter down through the channels and formats that are most relevant for the audience. Mm, that's interesting. So what is the process that brands can actually apply to think at, at that level so mm -hmm. this content framework that you make mention of what what does it look like where's the starting point 
The starting point, you know, is always going to be really data. Um, you know, finding, you know, when it comes to content, the data that goes in, you know, is obviously going to be things like, you know, SEO at the most basic level. You know, what are people searching for? Um, also, and your audience data that highlights demographics, personality statements, uh, behaviors, media consumption patterns. So looking at all of that data um, and using that to inform what your content theme or topic is going to be in line with your business objectives. But before I, before I move on and in saying that, I just want to point out that the, the truth is that data has actually also sunk more great marketing campaigns than it's, than it's enabled. So don't also rely fully on data. It's not because it's wrong, but it's because the people that are using it are, can be afraid of it. Um, so instead of letting data push you around when you're devising your content uh, program, use the data to lead you to clues and then overlay the overarching human insights and editorial expertise. And that's what you know to be true and human truth that will turn it into something that really lights fires and makes people ultimately notice your brand. And then once you've got that content theme, you've used your data, you've used your human insight, that content theme is then disseminated through a channel strategy, working with your media partners to determine which channels um, it will be best executed on for that audience segment. Okay, so you mentioned data a lot. Um, how do you actually collect um, and, and use this data? Is it tech specific? Yes, it tends to be tech specific. Um, through John, John Brown Media is one of the agencies within the Dentsu network and we have access to various proprietary data tools uh, that we use. Um, some of that includes uh, M1 Research, uh, we have the Dentsu Data Labs um, that does a lot of audience segmentation for us. So it's really taking that, that data in addition to what we can find on, of course, you know, the more um, typical platforms like Google Search Trends, Google Analytics, social media reports. There's a lot of research that goes into defining what that data looks like. And then an equal amount of time spent sifting through that data and identifying the nuggets that are relevant for the strategy. So when I think about audience and data, what's your thought around um, A-B testing on content? A-B testing on content is hugely valuable. Um, we see it develop quite a number of insights. Um, it, um, you know, from email subject lines through to uh, social media posts, um, generally, we run A-B testing on at least a three-month basis, but it needs to be done at a fairly regular frequency for you to see real results. Um, anything that is done too sporadically, you know, there's obviously too many factors that can impact the result or the outcome. Mm, so you have to learn over time and based on your analysis, you will refine your content. Yes. Okay, so I just want to go into the subject of um, content and performance. Um, yes. What role does content play in driving um, return on investment, so driving conversions? You know, like most marketing activities, the way we work with reporting is that we develop a bespoke model for each campaign against the KPIs and objectives for that specific campaign to determine ROI. This could be 
around engagement rates or length of time spent consuming the content. We find those particularly valuable in terms of the determining the content's success, whether it's really resonating with the audience, whether they're finding it relevant and meaningful. But equally, those engagement rates and length of time spent consuming content can also be directly correlated to sales. So through Google Analytics or bespoke dashboards, we can track whether someone who has engaged with a piece of content actually went on to make a purchase. And even whether people who engage with the content are more likely to convert. So for instance, with, with many clients, we find the customers that, con that actually consume content are two and a half times more likely to make a purchase than customers who do not engage with content. So we can see how content builds that loyalty and then we can track it through to results. Okay, um, and Emma, just talking about um, performance. So um, I, I just want to uh, ask you, in terms of budget, um, if you're doing yes. a performance campaign, I mean, producing content, what I've observed from marketers in the industry is that we spend more money producing and reproducing and reproducing mm -hmm. content mm -hmm. and not actually um, utilizing the content we've produced in the past. So so repurposing mm -hmm. that content in a very effective manner. Uh, what would be your advice to marketers and mm -hmm. how they mm -hmm. should best approach production of content? Um, I work on a the premise of use once, use many times. So creating a piece of content that is evergreen um, and can be, live on various channels, tailored, of course, to the, the channel's um, requirements. Um, of course, there is always going to be the need for tactical content as well that is perhaps um, only going to be used once. But that content, the way it's strategized, can be produced as a far more snackable, reactive piece of content that um, can be produced far more cost effectively than a piece of evergreen content that we know is going to be used multiple times across multiple channels. And it really all boils down to the planning, um, you know, doing detailed content plans, knowing um, up to months in advance how you may plan to, to use a piece of content, but then working in some opportunity to be flexible and agile within that structure. Okay, and in terms of, and I'm gonna get back to budgets, how should marketers be approaching, for example, paid media with regards to content? Paid media is essential for content. Um, I like to use the analogy is that if you print a magazine or even if you make a bar of chocolate, you spend as much time making the product as you do on its distribution. So content that is not amplified via paid media is a bit like making that bar of chocolate delivering it to the shops and then never unpacking it out of the storeroom. So paid media is just as necessary to get your content out. The engagement that results will be as good as the content itself, but great, and great content will get equally great engagement and ROI. But unless you have that paid media to get it out of the blocks initially, um, you are going to hit stumbling blocks. I completely agree because many marketers are still think that they, if they organically put it onto their social media platforms, this thing is going to get reach yeah, and yeah, eyeballs, yeah. and that's not the case. Pa mm, paid media is that kickstart that it needs to get it out the blocks, and once it's out, 
then you'll see how the the organic traction that it gets thereafter uh, will get the engagement and reduce reduced cost per click. Yeah, no, definitely. So I just want to touch on the the evolution of content formats. Um, have you noticed uh, any trends coming up this year? Um, because I've observed uh, the rise of audio, for example, podcast, yes. uh, video is is quite massive because a lot of the content formats is shifting to video. Have you seen anything mm -hmm. different? Yeah, absolutely. I think you, you're on the mark in terms of video and podcasts. Um, what is interesting with podcasts is, of course, with people commuting less, not going to the gym, the time or day that they consume podcasts has changed. So they're now um, consuming them in the morning while they're making breakfast or in the evening when they're cooking dinner rather than the usual commute slot. Video, yes, you know, increased consumption significantly. Um, impact of COVID, we're seeing 60 to 70% increase in YouTube video consumption. And Netflix is, of course, seeing similar stats um, as people are spending more and more time at home. But again, what's happening is the types of video that's being consumed has, has changed to more feel-good, um, uplifting, uh, entertaining content, um, and equally so informative in edutainment. Edutainment is, is actually spot on. And, and I'm also seeing a rise in native content. Yes, we find native content exceptionally, you know, valuable and, and interesting. Now, there is, of course, loads of benefits to publishing content on your own platforms, gathering that data and being able to remarket. But what native content allows you to do is put content on a publishing platform that is not your own um, and therefore widen your audience um, and widen your reach. So really the advice there, you know, would be around, you know, looking at, of course, the content that generally exists on that platform and crafting content that exists naturally in that ecosystem. Don't try and fit a square peg into a round hole with your content, trying to force it on, on a platform. Really make sure that you match the tone, the voice, understand the audience to make sure that that native content is going to perform optimally. Mm, definitely. So, Emma, I just want to touch on uh, placement of content and, and what yes. I'm noticing now with COVID, there's been a lot of fake news, deep fake videos um, that seem so real to somebody watching it or reading this piece of content. What has mm -hmm. it done to, to authentic content? I mean, how do you know that you're putting your content in a brand safe placement? Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, fake news has had an impact on content around its placement. So, of course, you don't want to be associated with fake news, um, you know, or um, something that is maybe less than savory. So, placement of content on your own channels, of course, is always going to be the safest space. But interestingly, the, um, what we're seeing as well, the impact of fake news is that it's, it's impacting how um, audiences view credibility of brands as well. So brands are becoming more and more credible sources of content if it is done authentically uh, because they become tr trusted um, in a specific niche um, or sub uh, field of subject matter. Um, so it's interesting to see how 
placement as well as the content itself has been Im impacted. Yeah, I think the the one thing that I wrote down here was the trust factor. If you're a brand that you've trust in the past, you're obviously going to lean towards that piece of content, uh, which yes. is more authentic coming from a known brand. Absolutely. And, you know, there also, customers are also looking to brands to uh, make a stand. You know, we look at the likes of Nike, um, Adidas, um, you know, who, you know, the sports brands have traditionally taken stands on uh, gender-based violence, LBGT communities. Um, so, you know, it's an opportunity, I think, you know, for, you know, brands to to be answerable to their customers, to to make a stand when politicians perhaps are not, or where um, you know um, you know celebrities are also perhaps not doing the job of taking the stand that customers expect of them. It really is an opportunity for brands to to have a social statement, um, be a positive force in their community. Um, and drive um, and build a community around a standpoint or a statement um, that can draw people together behind a common force. So you would encourage brands to lean in and be part of those conversations? Absolutely. Okay, cool. Emma, uh, I think in, in closing, in, in all the things that you've learned around content marketing and things that brands can actually adapt and approach uh, content in a very different way. What would be some of your advice to brands? I think my advice to brands is always put the customer in the center, be audience centric, get an external consultant to question your thinking, to challenge your um, perception of your audience, um, because without understanding the audience and the audience's problems, needs, what makes them get up in the morning, what they worry about when they go to bed at night, you are going to struggle to define a content strategy that is true to your brand, but is also true to your audience. That's my, that would be my first piece of advice. The second piece of advice would be, again, to touch on the importance of amplification and paid media Make sure that your content is amplified on, on the channels um, that your audience is in. Invest the paid media to get it out the blocks and, and then allow the content, to, the, the, the quality content to do its job from that point onwards. Um, and finally, I really do believe that in the current environment and to use the cliche of the new normal, there hasn't been a better time to connect with your customers through storytelling. Um, you know, we know that storytelling um, is, has been effective for, for thousands of years as a way for humans to connect with one another. And at a time when we are all craving connection, um, brands can do the job of, of really um, con connecting with their customers and the ca connecting the customers as well with their family and friends through many innovative ways. So identifying those opportunities at this time has never been more important. Mm, thanks, Emma. I think those are valuable lessons uh, that brands can heed to. Um, and uh, finally, what keeps you awake at night? 
<laughs> oh goodness, lots of things at the moment. I'm part of the 4am club these days, jumping up out of bed at four o'clock to, to try and actually be more mindful. Um, I'm trying to meditate in the mornings um, and um, sure, I think the, you know, the challenges that, that we face in the, in the world at the moment of you know, being, keeping businesses afloat, being able to keep our children uh, safe mentally and physically, um, you know, things that are weighing very heavily on everyone's minds. Um, so, yeah, lots of those sorts of thoughts swirling around in my mind in, in the middle of the night and then trying in the morning to quieten them <laughs> through a little bit of meditation um, does wonders to try and clear the mind for the, for the new day. Yeah, I think that's amazing. Um, I don't think I can get up at 4am in this cold. (laughs) (laughs) So kudos to you. (laughs) Emma, thank you so much for your time. It was really awesome having you on the show. Yeah, thank you very much, Audrey. It was great fun. Okay, bye-bye. Bye-bye. We're excited. You're excited. I really value and appreciate your support during this time. Helping decision makers navigate the change and keep some change in their pockets. Don't forget to subscribe. Follow our Instagram handle at TalkDigitalZA. Engage us on our website at TalkDigitalZA.co.za. And who knows, you could be featuring on the next one.